0: Blog Talk Radio. Hello, YouTube News, Smoke News Radio, episode 007. Here we have some information from the White House, so let's roll this episode up and smoke News. Here we go. White House drug officials say legal marijuana is up to the states. This is an article from marijuana.net. I kindly gave published on August 23, 2019. Here we go. White House drug officials say legal marijuana is up to the states. Two top federal drug officials,
1: including the White House Drug czar, recently said that marijuana legalization should be left up to the states. The comments stand out coming from the Office of National Drug Control Policy, which has historically A role in defending blanket federal prohibition. Jim Carroll, the Trump-appointed drug czar, has directed the administration's drug policies. Told Fox 59 reporter Caleb Sullivan, that he considers legalization a states' rights issue. He added that he'd like to see targeted education campaigns concerning cannabis use during pregnancy. And underage as well as research into impact driving. It's a particularly notable position given that the federal law stipulates that the drug star is required to take such actions as necessary to oppose any attempt to legalize the use of a substance listed as Schedule One.
0: Three times that in the plant. He also said that
1: more research is needed.
0: Wednesday notes the rapid
1: The National Institute of Drug Abuse. Road. It also referenced a 2018 report from a cannabis policy working group that was tasked with identifying cannabis policy research areas with the greatest urgency and potential for impact. Evidently, there are quite a few areas that fit that description, as need listed and developing roadside testing instruments to identify THC impaired drivers, as well as standards to measure marijuana dosing. Here's the full list of research objectives. Develop standards for measuring cannabis, including hemp and health product dose, intoxication and impairment. Enhance existing epidermology research to study trends for cannabis use and CUD, including new products, patterns of use, and reasons for use in different populations. Characterize the composition, potency of cannabis, methods of administration, cannabis extracts, concentrates, and cannabis of varying constituents, e.g. Cannabinoid or terpene content, as well as how those factors impact physical and mental health. Determine the physical and mental health ent-
0: and, and
1: uh, <laughs> I that word, as well as outcomes of use. Explore the impact of polysubstance use on health outcomes, including interactions. Substitution, complementation with alcohol, tobacco, and prescription and non-prescription opioids. Examine reasons for initiation and continued use of marijuana for therapeutic purposes. Investigate the effects of different patterns of cannabis use on brain development, educational attainment, and transition to work and adult roles. Identify the effects of maternal cannabis consumption during pregnancy and breastfeeding. Develop effective roadside tests for cannabis impairment that can be practically deployed by law enforcement. Determine the prevalence of cannabis-involved vehicular crashes and other types of injury or property damage investigate how cannabis industry practices including research on marketing taxes and prices impact use and health outcomes example how different price points impact consumption patterns across different levels of use determine the impact of federal and local marijuana policies and their implementation on use and health outcomes. Explore the heterogeneity of regulatory schemes, example, models of retail distribution of cannabis, to understand which combinations or components minimize harm to public health. A number of federal health agencies have issued several notices for marijuana-related research operations in recent months. One that received particular attention came from NIDA in May when it said applications were open for what is essentially a professional research-grade marijuana joint forward and analyst position. While NIDA said the research isn't keeping up with the rapid reform movement, its director also acknowledged in April that the federal drug scheduling system, which regards cannabis as a tightly restricted Schedule I drug, has inhibited such research by making it difficult for scientists to access marijuana. This article was brought to you from the MarijuanaMoment.net, titled Federal Health Agency Releases a List of Marijuana Research Priorities by Carl Yeager. Thank you for listening to Smoke News Radio. And if you can smoke it, it's newsworthy. Here's an article from Forbes.com written on August 28, 2019, by Janet Burns. Federal report finds teen cannabis use is still down. According to annual report, by Federal Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, SAMHSA, the number of U.S. teenagers who say they use marijuana continued its downward trend in 2018. A 2018 survey by SAMHSA found that self-reported cannabis use by teenagers remained about the same as the prior year, continuing an overall downward trend this century. Based on feedback from US respondents aged 12 to 17, the report found that 12.5% of teens said they had used marijuana in the past year as opposed to 12.4 in 2017. Since 2002, the percentage of teenagers who reported past year marijuana use has fallen from 15.8%. According to SAMHSA, during which times dozens of states have created or updated legal cannabis laws.
0: (coughs) In a statement,
1: Normal Deputy Director Paul Armentano commented that findings should provide further evidence that regulation, not criminalization, is the best approach for keeping young people away from cannabis until they're old enough to handle the risks a pragmatic regulatory framework that allows for the legal, licensed commercial production and retail sale of marijuana to adults, but restricts its use among young people. Coupled with the legal environment that fosters open, honest dialogue between parents and children about cannabis potential harms. This reduces the risks associated with the plant's use or abuse. Armentano wrote, by contrast, advocating for marijuana's continued criminalization only compounds them. He said, since 2012, when Colorado and Washington first legalized adult use and or recreational cannabis, past year teen use has fallen by roughly 8%. Opponents to cannabis legalization have frequently cited concerns about the potential impacts on young people, including the increased availability of various potentially stronger products. In the past few years and in recent months, a majority of studies have shown that youth age rates actually tend to decline when the plant and its products are decriminalized. Most recently, for example, a collaborative study of data led through federal and state youth misbehavior found that medical marijuana laws had no effect on teen use, while states with adult use laws saw an 8% decrease in likelihood of marijuana use and a 9% decrease in the likelihood that teens would be frequent users. Published in the journal JAMA Pediatrics in July, the study was based on responses from over 1.4 million
0: youths living in 27 states and the District of Columbia gathered between 1983 and 2017. There is simply no evidence that legalization for medical or recreation purposes leads to an increase in teen
1: use commented to the researcher Mark Anderson, an associate professor for agriculture, economics, and economics at Montana State University, in press release. Opponents of these laws generally state this is a primary concern, but there is just no evidence that teen consumption goes up. In August, however, another study on teen use did cause some concern among juvenile health advocates According to a survey of 47,142 eighth, ten, and forty two eight, ten, and twelve grades.
0: This week, the federal government announced it would begin
1: processing dozens of pending applications for the steps necessary
0: to improve access to marijuana research. Additionally, companies hoping to obtain. additional companies hoping. What is the idea of that? Additionally, companies hoping to obtain U.S.
1: Drug Enforcement Agency registration for a federal bulk manufacturing license to cultivate cannabis for scientific research as well as
0: manufacturing for FDA-approved pharmaceuticals are seemingly one step closer with
1: an arsenal of caveats. I'm pleased that DEA is moving forward with this for those who seek to grow marijuana legally to support research, through the Attorney General will be PR in the state used by the Department of Justice's Office of Public Affairs. The Department of Justice will continue to work with our colleagues at the Department of Health and Human Services and across the administration to
0: improve
1: research opportunities
0: wherever we
1: can. According to NPR, the DEA. Came after several years of delay for some applicants and a lawsuit filed against the agency by one campus researcher, Dr. Sue Sisley, who heads the Scottsdale Research Institute in Arizona, which studies cannabis. Dr. Sisley is seemingly frustrated by the University of Mississippi having the monopoly. He has been on life. A partnership with the Native American tribes, carefully strategic maneuver on Boyce's part. This nascent approach is a far cry from needing to be associated with the university, which is the only viable opportunity for cultivating federally occurred campus thus far. The application process, according to the application issued by the DEA. Obtained exclusively by Sarah Brittany Somerset for Forbes Online. The 21 pages long, 92 questionnaire process is not for the faint of or discouraged. One can almost hear the clicking of keyboards and grindings of gears as legions of attorneys begin to unpack this daunting bureaucratic document. Many of more lending questions relate to logistics. Such as the applicants proposed air filtration system, experience with string chemicals, and security protocols to regulate for boys and Native American tribe as its police force. Next step. Within the next 30 days, the DDA is expected to
0: release their amendments to the 2016 Obama policy statement. The new guidelines supersede the currently Obama. In place and cover applicants seeking to become registered. The
1: 2016 policy statement provided information on how it intended to expand the number of registries and described in general terms the way it would oversee those additional growers. There in DEA recognized the need to move past the single grower. The MORE Act addresses many of the issues stemming from marijuana prohibition, but it does not offer remedies for every issue.
0: Instead, it takes a somewhat hands-off approach, leaving most regulatory questions up to the states.
1: Under the MORE Act, marijuana would be completely removed to the Control of Substance Act, which currently classifies cannabis as a Schedule I drug. Schedule 1 is the most restrictive category, supposedly reserved only for the most deadly and addictive drugs that have no accepted medical
0: use. With marijuana
1: off federal scheduling,
0: individual states can decide for themselves how, they, how they'll reform their weed laws, if reform them at all. Additionally,
1: The Moore Act is the first piece of federal legislation that would establish social equity programs for cannabis entrepreneurs and would enact wholesale expungements of prior low-level weed offenses for federal convicts. Convicts currently serving time in federal prison for cannabis violations would
0: receive
1: reductions to their sentences too. On the business end, the More Act also sets a 5% federal tax on all cannabis sales. That's it. There is no overly complex tiered taxation system that unfairly gouges cannabis consumers and companies, like with us in Colorado, California. The excise taxes collectively. alongside drugs like morphine or cocaine. But the Moore Act completely
0: removes weed from
1: federal scheduling. How did the authors build? the language against those who consume and use marijuana to plan fears to Mexican immigrants. What kind of support is the MORE Act getting in Congress right now? It is a bipartisan bill in the House of Representatives. Right now, we're in the August recess, so we're working with, the,
0: with who we can to
1: continue to advance the cause. We've received three additional co-sponsors since the introduction of the bill, I and mean, we plan on signing a good number more when Congress comes back to session in September. And it's important to note that since the bill is carried by the Judiciary Committee Chairman, they have four different committee chairs on board when the bill is
0: introduced. Represents to Nadler, Chairwoman Nadia Velasquez, Chairman Jim McGovern, as well as Chairwoman Maxine Waters. The MORE Act creates a new federal office, the Cannabis Justice Office, which is the
1: office's purpose. The Department of Justice has a number of existing offices in their justice programs. This creates another similar office, which would be focused on addressing cannabis-related issues. It's only logical since Department of Justice, an entity that is designed to promote the cause of justice and the rule of law. And since we're changing the law and marijuana possession cultivation sales, we no longer be proud. We must make sure that we're no longer discriminating against to our citizens who are burdened by the criminal records they have seen under prohibition. Social equity programs, which prioritize weed business businesses to pot entrepreneurs who are convicted of cannabis crimes are laid out in this bill. How will these actually get off the ground? Considering the state and local governments are still struggling to get their social equity programs running, one of the sizable contributing factors to why these programs are struggling to get off the ground are the structural problems that are stemming from federal prohibition in the first place. Lack of access to bank accounts and small businesses inability to receive standard tax treatments as every other sector of economy. Those barriers would no longer be in place after removed marijuana from the Controlled Substance Act. This would provide additional revenue to incentivize experimentation and implementation of licensing regimes that acknowledge the harms done under criminalization. It's extremely frustrating that right now there are very well intentioned regulators who are trying to fight with one hand tied behind their back and the other arm is shoulder strapped to their chest. Federal prohibition is severely hampering these folks to be able to get anything done. The Minority Cannabis Business Association is the only organization right now doing much in this space, and they're primed to be in a terrific
0: position to
1: be a leader for social equity if MORE Act passes. The MORE Act contains a section that addresses immigration issues related to cannabis. If the bill removes cannabis from the Controlled Substances Act, why do new immigration policies be clarified by law? Right now, cannabis-related offenses. Slowly but surely, there will be a consensus that emerges when it comes to regulatory structures, consumer safety and protections and the like. Just as alcohol prohibition fell 100 years ago, there are still dry counties doing this nation where you cannot buy alcohol. We've reached a point where you can buy whiskey at CBS in Florida, but you can't
0: legally buy beer at a CBS in a different state. It's going to be a process, as long as that process is a practice of treating individuals like 2nd citizens and treating their freedoms. Simply because they choose to consume
1: marijuana, then we'll be in a much better position than we are today. Is there anything else we want to know more? Act that isn't explicitly noted in the bill. Because of the way the tax regime is structured, in the Moore Act, we're going to be able to provide relief to those who suffer from minor cannabis convictions through expungement. We're going to be able to grow a new community-centered small business economy. We'll be able to do it all without spending the nickel of taxpayers' money. The Chairman was incredibly thoughtful at setting the tax structure up in a way that minimizes the burden of the industry to be, as this all paid for which is unlike a lot of other polls that are floating around Congress. So if we want to be thoughtful and if we want to be fiscally responsible, then the MORE Act is the way to go. This was from normal.org, written by Randy Robinson and Larry Jane. What is the MORE Act? How could it change marijuana policy? I think it's good. Fake vape and other knockoffs, flooding the state are also recent safety issues. Like all products sold outside licensed dispensaries, counterfeit items are not tested for pesticides and other contaminants, meaning some concern the items could pose health risks. Licensed cannabis cultivators and businesses can't distribute their wares to unlicensed dispensaries and delivery services without risking punishment from regulatory agencies. Meaning any brand name item that customers find in an illegal shop is almost certainly counterfeit. Any of those black market shops you go into have brands that just like you go into the food market on the weekend get your product shirt for $5. And Ryan Gentleman, founder of THC Deluxe, A Los Angeles cultivator has also been in a product shirt. Although those in the cannabis industry differ in the severity of the problem, most agree counterfeit items are proving a boost to unlicensed dispensaries, which could sell marijuana at much lower prices than their legal counterparts by skirting state and local taxes. Earlier this year, a tax report found there were at least 220 illegal cannabis dispensaries in Los Angeles, more than the number of licensed operators in California's largest marijuana market. So the states above board meat businesses are on track to report more than $3 billion in sales this year, a rebound after the 28 revenues fell well below projections. From a foreign website. Alibaba, a massive online commerce hub based in China, is a haven for knockoff packaging for sale. Other cultivators say those who run unlicensed marijuana growers will buy branded packaging online, then place their own flour inside and try to sell it to licensed dispensaries. In one instance, gentlemen gentleman said a counterfeit went to THC Design's website download the information there that showed how the cold spirits marijuana had fell, fared on state certification tests and stuck the lab results on the side of the fake packaging to try to prove the authenticity of the product. The only way we found out about that was they sold it to a in LA that were friends with. Detective Vito Cecilia, who investigates illegal cannabis activity. Los Angeles Police Department, said the department was more focused on shutting down illegal dispensaries than addressing counterfeit wares. This is uncharted territory for us, it said. Most of our people investigators don't know the difference between legitimately and knockoff hands. The department has had success in closing illegal dispensaries in the city, which limits the number of places counterfeit items can be sold has said that there were now fewer than 200 illegal dispensaries operating in Los Angeles, compared with nearly 300 at the beginning of the year. But the LAPD's approach focuses largely on cutting power and water to properties where illegal activity takes place rather than certain search warrants, which would lead to the seizure of counterfeit. I think we're past peak counterfeits. Somebody gets a vape cart that's fake, so it leaks, doesn't taste right, and what's one of the first things they do? They go on social media and they post, and that warns other people. Aaron said. Others are out of patience, and with state and local authorities, squirrels said the Loud Pack is once again rebranding its pen vape in hope of rendering counterfeits obsolete. This time, adding a code to the packaging so that customers can stand, scan on their phones can guarantee the product's authenticity. But the longer unlicensed operators and counterfeiters stay in business, Krause said, the harder it will be for legal shops to keep their doors open. There's definitely a high level of frustration, said. We see partners that are working really hard to stay licensed and keep their lights on. Thank you.
0: You're listening to Smoke News
1: Radio where if you can smoke it, it's news work. Okay. Guys, thank you very much for listening tonight. My name is Jesus Nazikov Brodsky, your uh, host and uh, reader for the last hour as uh, my energy levels go up and down. We're on my seventh episode and I'm just going to try to keep this uh, Keep this going. Get myself some coffee in the evening, and I appreciate you guys holding on, listening to uh, what I find as important and relevant information out there. That if they create a federal tax, a federal legality, then they add another five percent tax. There's a lot of things that uh, are just under under the hood that they're not really sharing with everyone. Everyone wants to create things for you. So, trying to keep this as less opinionated as I can. Thank you guys very, 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 very much for listening. This is part of the Alice B. Toklas Smoke News Radio Network with roots for the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative. Uh, that has been re-signed, the California Cannabis Hemp Heritage Act with uh, very little changes from the original CCHI, has been signed. And it, well, the initiative has been paid for in Sacramento and the signature gathering process for that will be coming around soon, along with the
0: um,
1: another CCHI initiative that is getting signed also. There is a whole bunch of marijuana legalization coming around the corner for you. And I want to thank everyone for listening so much. And uh, you're listening to Smoke News Radio, let's uh Jack John take away. Thank you so much. Jason have a breath.
2: A billion people died on the news tonight. But not so many cried Mama said It's just make-believe You can't believe everything you see So baby, close your eyes to the lullaby Everything you hear, the diegetic world is so.